You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 22nd of March, 2017. I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about religious freedom. But before we get stuck into the discussion, we just wanted to have a, a, a quick chat about our the delay. We're very sorry that um, that this episode, we kind of basically skipped an episode, so this is uh, a couple of weeks late. It's uh, Simon and I have both got a lot going on, including um, my impending, as in, in the next 24 hours, uh, move to from Melbourne to Sydney. It's so terrifyingly soon. Um, so that's happening and it's, it's just made things a bit tricky. The other, um, implication of my move to Sydney is that it is probably going to change our scheduling a bit, um, not in terms of frequency, but just in terms of possibly when the podcasts will come out. So that's still something that Simon and I are are trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do it. Um, but the, the day that the podcast is released, uh, might, might change a bit. Yeah, and the other thing we just wanted to talk about quickly, uh, was, uh, we want to say thank you to some other people who've sent us emails about the podcast. Um, it's been really great to see some more feedback come in. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, so if you have some feedback about the podcast, um, please send us an email. It's queerspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. It's queerspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or answer questions or whatever you'd like to send. Hmm. Uh, so to get back to the, the issue of the day, um, let's, let's get stuck into it. Uh, so much of Australia's LGBTI communities have this past fortnight been engulfed in a response to a very strange video prominently featuring Cooper's beer. The video, sponsored by a Christian organisation called the Bible Society, depicts two Liberal Party MPs, Tim Wilson and Andrew Hastie, debating the merits of marriage equality while drinking the refreshing Cooper's Light. Cooper's was connected with the Bible Society through a collaboration called Keeping It Light, a celebration of the Society's 200th anniversary. Uh, This was going to include Cooper's releasing a limited run of their light beer commemorating the Society's anniversary, as well as a range of videos focused on having light discussions around issues such as marriage equality. Following the controversy, however, Cooper's eventually distanced themselves, stating they did not give permission for their beer to be featured in this video. Now, while the community's response to the video and uh, some of the mixed messaging from Cooper's has been predictably outraged, the whole thing has got Simon and I thinking about the role religious beliefs play in public debates about queer issues. Are religious beliefs as oppositional to advances in LGBTI rights as they're often framed to be? Um, is religion what these debates are really about? How should we weigh an idea like religious freedom against LGBTI rights? Um, There are a lot of issues to get stuck into here. But before we dive into some uh, questions about religion, uh, let's have a quick chat about the fallout from the whole thing. Uh, Simon, do you think Cooper's handled this well? Um, It's hard to know. I... I think the whole thing was just very strange. Um, the, the, the the collaboration that Cooper's, you know, the kind of hipster kind of beer, in my perception at least. Uh, totally. Do- no, totally. It's totally like a kind of perceived as like a left-wing beer, yeah, which is yeah. so funny. So the, the decision to do a collaboration with the Bible Society, which is a sort of evangelical um, organisation, I thought was strange in the first place. And I, and I wonder... Um, 
what they thought they were achieving in in choosing an organization or, or collaborating collaborating with an organization like that and and same goes with the bible society i, I don't quite understand why they'd pick Coopers to work with of all of all people, but anyway. So I thought the whole collaboration thing was strange. I thought the video. Well, I think I think that's partly because there is um, the it was connected to the religious beliefs of the founder of the company. Oh, so okay. the so it was founded by a, a guy who was I can't remember the denomination, but uh, some sort of um, Christian denomination. Oh, okay. Well, that maybe makes more sense. Mm. Um, but anyway, I thought the whole thing was a bit strange. Uh, I also think, and I don't th- don't think we're going to get into this. I think the the reaction was a bit strange too. Um, but uh, we can, you know, put that aside. I think it was a little bit overblown. Um, however, I think, I mean, I think in the end they probably dealt with it pretty well. I think that um, they made, you know, they they had their, you know, they they sort of were clearly a bit shocked in the first couple of days when it came out. As I and I can understand that. Uh, and then they sort of made a very clear break and just dealt with it quite cl- uh, quite cleanly. I think um, they had their sort of hostage video, the the, the Johnny Depp style video with the with the two um, uh, managers or or sort of owners of the company sitting and and making a statement, and it looked very <laughs> like if people if people understand that reference from when uh, Johnny Depp and his ex wife. Um, did the apology video for bringing their dogs into Australia without any <laughs> customs clearance, but it was very, very similar in that very like staring at camera, reading a script, um, looking like that they didn't want to be there at all. Uh, but it, you know, you know that what they did is they they clearly apologised. They 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 sort of cut ties with this organisation. Um, they formally joined um, the Australians for Marriage Equality campaign. So, look, in the end, I think it was fine. Um, you know, I, but I, I think the whole thing was strange to start off with. Totally. It's hard to know. I don't know. It's hard to know how you... I mean, I think the response was all... Like, Cooper's response was as, was kind of stupid in some ways in that they they were... They just were kind of like, uh, you know, they released these couple of statements where they were like, well, I don't know, you know... Religious freedom, it's important to be able to talk about this mm, stuff, mm. blah, 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 blah. Um, and then finally release that kind of, that strange video. And I, I kind of, I think it's understandable that people were a bit annoyed about that. But it's also like, I don't know, I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do in response to a kind of crazy boycott campaign like the one that the the community instituted, you know, which was which was just... You know, there were, like, videos filmed of gay bars, like, throwing out their Cooper's beer yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And it's kind of like, I don't know, they didn't really have a choice. And, and the fact that they, they didn't have a choice probably also, you know, speaks to how sceptical we should be of the the um, effectiveness of, of, you know, them their eventual kind of apparent change of heart. Um, in terms of actually changing anything to do with homophobia, you know, and this is all this is all stuff that we've talked about before on on other on other issues. Yeah, but I think there's also, I don't know. I think I think in this instance, I'm I'm far more skeptical of the of the outrage because this wasn't a company. You know, we talked last year about Telstra, for example. Uh, we did, we did an episode on that where they actively or were reported to actively go back on their support for marriage equality. Um, Coopers in this instance didn't claim any position on marriage equality. Um, they mm. never had. They never went back on anything. They just re- well, they didn't even release a video. There was a video released with their beer in it that um, that 
had a debate on marriage equality. They didn't take a stance. They didn't um, say we, we're, we're against marriage equality. They didn't do anything. They just sort of released something that was a, a discussion, a pretty civil discussion on it. Um, maybe, you know, there's criticism to say, why are you pairing up with a with an organisation like the Bible Society? And I can hear that. Um, but a lot of the focus was on this video and not on the pairing. And that video to me was not that bad, like it not in the scheme, the grand scheme of things. It was a, yeah, a civil no, civil discussion between two people about marriage equality, um, you know, and, you know, I think that that's why I think the reaction was completely overblown. It was sort of like we can't even, you know, don't even dare have it released something that is even a discussion about this where there is an opposing view because then we'll boycott you, let alone come out opposing it or opposing the legislation or, or anything like that. Um, and I think that, that, that bothered me quite a bit. Hmm. And I think that sort of does dovetail it, uh, nicely into what we really want to get stuck into here, yeah. which, which is, I guess, um, I mean, this is almost a question about the legitimacy of opposing views to an issue like marriage equality, yeah. as well as, I think, uh, the, the role of sort of, you know, quote-unquote rights in all of this, um, in that what this whole thing demonstrated is that, as you said, to to it was almost like the community was saying that to to have anything other than uh, clear and unequivocal and stated uh, support for the issue is, like, tantamount to, to homophobia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which... You know, as we've sort of said, is is a is this case is you know um, like they didn't even have a position at all. So so it's it's it, it's kind of it's kind of odd in that in that. Respect. Well, and and actually, they didn't even really seem to have a role in making this video. They just they happened. You know, they had a, they had a connection with the organisation, but they didn't make this video. But it seems like they didn't authorise this video. Um, they just sort of happened to be involved in it. In you know you know they happened to you know, have their beer being featured in it. So they didn't, there was nothing that Coopers actively did around marriage equality in this instance, yet they they sort of copped the wrath of, of a community. And I, I think it's interesting, that's interesting in a, in a number of senses. I think it's interesting in the nature of the difficulty of having debate around these issues, particularly given how long this has been going on for. You know, I've had you know, some comments from people saying, you know, clearly people are just exasperated and really sick of this debate and feeling really sort of run down by it. And so every time that something like this happens, it sort of, you know, it just feels like another weight on and I can understand that. Like it's, you know, it's just, it's just like more being piled on. Um, yet at the same time, you know, I think that there's a there's a question about okay, we're demanding a change in legislation, we're demanding a, a, a political um, shift. Um, how can you achieve that without allowing debate to occur, without hearing other people's views and trying to convince them and change their views, um, and hearing why people have those opposing positions, but opposing positions that are currently still winning the debate because they're the ones that are you know because marriage equality has well, we passed. don't yeah exactly you know and I mean, well, well, winning the debate talk, at least in a parliamentary sense. Let's talk about those opposing views a bit because I think that's that's kind of um, you know where this gets sort of interesting in that uh, as is often as often happens around debate on this issue, a lot of the opposition is kind of couched in terms of um, religious mm -hmm. beliefs, and that's true not just in Australia but um, in various parts of the world as well. 
And there's an extent to which I think we should be cynical about that in that organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby, um, who are, uh, you know, this, this like very powerful religious Christian lobby group in, in Canberra who are arguably completely unrepresentative, not only of Australia, but of Australian Christians, have an insane amount of power and have very much driven um, a lot of the opposition to to an, to an issue like marriage equality, among many other issues. Mm. Uh, and so I think absolutely we should be kind of cynical of the position of, of, of a group like that that says, you know, we, we believe this kind of violates our, our deeply held beliefs, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe it does, but, you know, the, the, the extent um, or the disproportionate amount of power they have, I think, I think does um, undermine their position a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure... You know, there are plenty of people for whom religious beliefs are cited as a as a, a reason to um, oppose the issue, or at least be kind of critical of the issue. Um, I mean, to what extent do you think we have to just take that at face value? Um, I think it probably varies. Um, I think that obviously religion plays an important role in the lives of many, many people, um, and it's. Um, it's difficult, you can't discount that, I don't think, uh, when engaging in an issue like this. Um, but I think it probably varies um, between people about how, um, you know, whether, whether that, that religion is clearly forming their view or whether there's, there's, there's something else that's undermining and religion is being used as a cover for that. I don't, I don't know and I can't, you can't really, ma- I, I can't, Make that uh, claim on a person, you know, for every person, because it's hard to know you know, on a person-to-person basis. I think there are definitely people who have grown up with strong religious beliefs, um, strong conservative religious beliefs, that have led them to that are sort of informed an opposition to an issue like marriage equality. At the same time, you have lots of people who have grown up with strong religious beliefs and have come to accept marriage equality and other um, issues around for LGBTI people and et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Or just uh, like, you know, something like abortion, for example. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, you know, I see a lot of queers um, say, oh, religion is the problem. And I don't agree with that. And I think that that is a really problematic, a really difficult stance to take. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of queers who say, uh, one day I see them saying religion, you know, religion is the problem. It's what's holding, holding us back from, from marriage equality. And the next day we'll post something from the Gosford Anglican church, you know, their, their, their progressive, um, billboards that they put up all the time. So obviously religion is not the problem. It's a form of conservative conservatism that is, that is holding back change because you can't, you know, religion is not this homogenous thing where everybody ends up believing exactly the same. It's not inherently conservative either because there are a lot of progressive Christians. Um, There are a lot of progressive Muslims. There are a lot of progressive people of a whole range of religions. Um, So you can't just sort of um, typecast people into one position and assume everybody's like the Australian Christian lobby because it's just not how it works. And I feel like, you know, all this stuff sort of points to why it's, it's, you you just sort of have to, you know, we we can um, make claims about, you know, Christianity, for example, being a, a cover for just like, I don't know, racism or homophobia mm, or whatever. Mm. And but, but after a certain point, I feel like you do just sort of have to take a lot of it at face value and just kind of, you know, as, take someone's beliefs for what they say their beliefs are. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what else can you do? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's certainly what uh, I would hope that someone would do for me. Yeah, and if you've if you're very clear that, you know, if, you know, and you're thinking about the Australian Christian Lobby, for example, um, 
if you're very clear that you know if those sorts of groups are very clear that that, that at least to them their their sort of um, reading of their their religious text is what's informing their positions, then um, then you take that. At, I take that at face value. I think that um, I disagree with them. Uh, and that is okay as well. And I think that there is a line where you can say, look, um, you have these religious beliefs, but I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to try and, um, I guess, beat you. <laughs> not not beat you physically, but as in like defeat you legislative or le- legislatively or policy-wise because I, you know, that just because you have a religious belief doesn't mean I have to um, sort of even accept or, res- or respect that because, you know, I can say, well, I think your religious belief is harming other people and I think you have to, you know, look at that and challenge that and I think that is totally acceptable. Um, but, you know, you can still say, this. I understand where you come from, I just think that you have to change. You know, it's a totally acceptable thing to do as well. Sure. I think where, where this becomes difficult uh, is when religious positions become framed, you know, as, as our positions as the positions of many in the LGBTI community do frequently becomes become framed as a rights issue um and and this kind of opens up a whole can of worms because I, f- I feel like you know we we had planned to there's a question in our list of questions about um the kind of problematic nature of a lot of the language around an issue like this that that I think is probably going to get woven into it a lot of just what we're talking about throughout throughout the conversation which is that you know there there are you know, there are sort of two questions here. Um, you know, one of them is the sort of surface level question, which is to what extent do can what to what extent is is rights are are, are rights potentially a zero sum game? So, for example, you know, do do we need to accept kind of losses in rights of you know quite religious freedoms in order to make gains in LGBTI rights? And that I think on its face is is quite an interesting question. Mm. But there's also another question there, which is, um, you know, what is you know, what the hell are rights and, like, what is a rights-based political movement and does it even make sense to talk about those things in those terms and, you know, is the evocation of human rights on both sides of the debate a a total furphy? And, you know, my my suspicion is to say that it is in that, you know, rights are these, like, incredibly abstract things. Um, The law obviously does have a normative function in yep, that it yep. does have the capacity to to change people's uh, behavior and thoughts but you know when that becomes the sole way that we approach these issues um you know it's it's not going to have as much sort of social and behavior change as 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 it may be argued to have yeah i mean i agree with you there and i think that there is a, a big problem with a rights-based um a rights-based agenda and I think actually this issue in many ways frames that very well. To, to go mm. back to that sort of our rights are zero game, some game in some instances question, I think that, you know, I, this is an interesting one where some would certainly argue that that's the case and that, you know, if we talk about, for example, um, you know, one, one of the big debates around marriage equality is the right for a, the right, you know, you, you use that term already, using that term already, for a, uh, a practitioner, a, a, a marriage um Practitioner to be able to refuse to wed a queer couple, a gay and lesbian, gay and lesbian couple, or the mm. right for someone in a you know this 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 debate that we continuously that, that seems to happen all over the world about bakeries um, totally. being able the, to the, the mysterious homophobic bakers, yeah, 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 which seem to exist everywhere and don't want to bake yeah. gay cakes, um, and I feel like all cakes are gay. <laughs> like I'm just putting it out there. 
I feel like it's a pretty, you know, they're a pretty gay thing. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I like that concept, but I like the idea of everything <laughs> being gay, so... <laughs> yeah, um, um, you know, and, and so some would certainly argue that the imposition of you know that that the, 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 the uh, imposition of a the, the right to marriage equality um, results in the loss of the rights to people to have um, to, for their religious freedom and I think that this is a really interesting problem with the human rights discourse in that that you can't just have that, that people it's a very human rights is a very individualized concept so it's a very focused on the individual and their rights and their sort of narrows down and takes that person and isolates them um, and then or, to, or and then and then sort of sometimes takes a group and isolates them and doesn't engage engage them with the rest of the community whereas we are actually you know in the real world we act as a society we act and we interact with other people and so you can't have a discussion about with rights without having a discussion about the rest of of a, of a community and so what you have is this problem totally. where that's one thing that sorry i was just gonna say quickly even you know even when you say that it's like you know it can take people as a group it's still very much about uh it's still very much focused on the individual so yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like even even then it's it's certainly it's certainly not a kind of say community approach to um welfare or, or rights it's still individual even in the case of mm. like um, LGBTI rights, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just scare quotes around that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and I think what, what what occurs is that you end up with this kind of debate where um, you say, well, your rights impinge on my rights, and so therefore we have to find this way that, you know, we can, you know, that we can both have our rights somehow without sort of engaging in the sort of broader social discussion about what is required, you know, for a society to work, to, to function, um, and also... What are the the sort of the 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 necessary rights? What are the or I keep using the word rights, but what are the um, you know what are the ways that a society can function as a whole? And what are the some things that it's okay for us to impinge upon? You know, is it 
okay to force a baker to make a gay cake. Um, well, I feel, but I know. feel like this kind of, you know, this idea of like, you know, the hierarchy of rights is a very kind of common mm, idea mm. in human rights discourses and human rights frameworks. And, you know, I feel like that in and of itself speaks to the, the, the fact that not all rights are potentially compatible with each other. But I feel like that is also a really good um, way to just complicate the idea of rights generally. I mean, because if we talk about, you know, I feel like a lot of, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, in the majority of what we're talking about when we talk about LGBTI rights, not all. I think I think there are some that, you know, like I think about um, bodily autonomy for, for intersex people is a really kind of big issue in, in Australia, or should be a bigger issue, I think, in Australia that um, that does speak to some pretty fundamental stuff. But when it comes to something like marriage equality and, and to some extent, I don't know, perhaps even religious freedoms to some degree, these are these are like pretty it's pretty high level stuff, you know. But when we talk about things that we might think of as as more sort of basic rights, the the right to shelter, the right to um, you know, education, the right to to um healthcare, for example, these are like some of the really sort of basic um human rights in most in most human rights frameworks. It's not like people even even though in some hypothetical sense Australians have access to those things, I mean not not equally and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and 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 in not in practice a lot of the time you know if you, you certainly don't have access to good education if you're from a poor background for example if you're locked out of the housing market or or you know and can't get temporary housing you potentially don't have access to shelter you know like it's, so it's, it's yeah it's an um, interesting thing in which the rights discourse has sort of sort of moved beyond those basic um, ba- those basic needs to survive you know shelter food education that kind of stuff and has sort of gone to this higher level stuff around equality and you know and things like religious freedom and marriage equality the sort of the next level stuff whilst the in a country uh, like Australia in a country like Australia yeah, yeah. Um, while the while the the other stuff has sort of been like saying okay we've done that almost mm. um, or we don't need to worry about that or it's not even you know when we talk about things like homelessness I think it's less talked about in a rights framework than something like marriage equality where I hear over and over again that marriage is a human right you know that that equality is a human right whereas I get that less I think when I, when we're talking about things like homelessness where people are talking about the sort of more about the practical realities of living without mm. a house. I mean, there you know, are, that's- there, there's kind of been an, um, something that's come up recently. This is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but in, in Melbourne, there's been a lot of public discussion about homelessness in mm-hmm. the last few months because there, there was some very profi- high-profile um, kind of rough sleepers, um, high-profile in terms of visibility in the city. Um, and in response, the city of Melbourne has, has, has essentially pro- like proposed... Um, effectively making homelessness illegal yep. and uh, you know which which is it's pretty a pretty kind of appalling response but a, fr- a friend of mine who who's um just written a phd on on uh on homelessness in melbourne actually so it's it's very much um up his alley has kind of made the argument in response that homelessness is is already criminalized in lots of ways um so having a kind of public discussion about you know homelessness is not a crime which i feel like very much evokes the idea of like you know shelter is a human right um you know he he's very much kind of out there trying to complicate that and say well uh you know homelessness may not technically be a crime but it effectively is yeah, and it yeah. just speaks to the ways that structures in society um you know you could have all the uh you know structures in society act on individuals and on communities in ways that are that go beyond the stated kind of you know normative claims that we make about how they should act yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, well, maybe, but, but uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting, and I think I 100% agree. Um, I'm just trying to, trying, to, trying to bring us back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Um, but I think that... Um, I mean, let's let's go back to the religious question. I think because I think that's the one would be great to um, to to continue on with. You know, if we're going to talk about what are those birds screeching birds, in the back? Birds screeching. <laughs> Can you hear it? Oh. I think it's you know how people how people um, know that we're recording in Australia. We're not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just Americans gone, with bad Australian accents. It's just gone really really loud all of a sudden. What are they galahs? I, I think they're magpies. I don't know what's going on. I don't. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna try and close my window actually because it's just getting louder. I kind of like it. Uh, but I can still hear them. Yeah, I can hear them really. That's, I don't know what's really going intense. on. It's just. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, they're magpies or some sort of black and white bird. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Now, now they've gone quiet. All right. Okay. Sorry okay. about that, folks. <laughs> that's nice it's authentic yeah very authentic okay i want to make sure i don't cut it out of the um, recording now um so look let's go back to the question of religious freedom because i think that's the the interesting one and the one we sort of framed ourselves on today mm, i yeah, think we had, we had a question of can we think of examples where we might want to protect religious freedoms you know if, if we if we agree that there is some sort of um uh, you know we have to take people's um religious beliefs at face value, that we have to accept that that is a sort of representation of, of, of how they come to these sorts of positions. You know, do is religious freedom something that we as a community want to protect? You know, is that something that is still really important to us? I mean, so I, I would certainly argue that it is. I mean, to me, it's just a sort of extension of uh, um, freedom of speech, essentially, certainly something that I think is important. Uh, and... You know, I would say it's, you know, similar to kind of freedom of like political practice or political belief, you know, freedom of religion to me sort of falls under a a similar category. Um, Perhaps it's largely for historical reasons that it is this kind of separate category, because to me, it's it's maybe like much of a muchness. I guess there's a historical tradition of persecution of people specifically on the basis of religious belief. So it makes sense in that in that regard. Um, But for me, the kind of clearest example, and it's interestingly this is something that is um, uh, even even most people working on an issue like marriage equality in a legislative sense would uh, acknowledge this, and and it, it's built into um, often into proposed legislation on the issue is around religious celebrants, as you mentioned before. So so not kind of um, public uh, not public servants, not not civil celebrants, uh, but uh, you know like priests, for example, or I don't know like like rabbis or, or whatever um, who are performing marriages. I mean, to me, it, it just seems, given there is sort of like broad access to people who could perform a marriage ceremony who aren't religious, it seems silly to me to to force, say, like uh, a, a rabbi, for example, to, to even have to marry, I don't know, like a non-Jewish person, mm. um, let alone, uh, you know, someone of, of that had some... Uh, extreme opposition to their religious beliefs. I mean, to, to me, that's just like, and and I suppose I I have that position because the consequences are so um, they don't seem particularly severe to me because there is this broad access to the service. Like if there was like if this was like the only like religious if this was only the kind of marriage celebrant in your town, for example, that might be a different story. But I think that's rarely the case. Yeah, and I think that, um, and this is different to the case that occurred in the United States last year. 
uh, with that woman whose name I've forgotten. Um, You're talking about Kim Davis? Yes, Kim Davis, that's right. I think we've spoken <laughs> about her in a, in a podcast we past. We have. <laughs> um, you know, but she she was a civil... Um, uh, uh, I don't think she was a celebrant, but she was a... She, no, she just, like, worked in a, she worked a in county office order. Yeah, yeah. Very different sort of situation where she was paid by the state who were just, in, in you know, and and therefore had to follow their policies and their rules. And, you know, if you want to work for the, for the government of the day, you have to uh, agree to the... You know, not agree to the policies, of the government, but you have to implement the policies of the government of the day. I think that's different, and I agree with you, it's different to the uh, 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 celebrant from a particular religious faith, um, you know, who who um, doesn't want to perform a ceremony. I'm intrigued by the, you know, unless 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 there's instances where you this is the only person available, I'm intrigued by the gay couple who wants the religious celebrant who hates... Um, the idea of marriage equality. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm yeah. intrigued why you would want them to be your marriage. Like you have to be. You have to be a real asshole. <laughs> yeah, to be. You know, and you know, to you know, I think that uh, it's you know, for me, it's just not that big a deal. In all honesty, um, it's you know, in the in the in the in the 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 hierarchy of rights, you know. But I, you know, it's something that I don't a framework that I don't particularly like. Yeah, but you know, in that sort of hierarchy of issues that I'm concerned about um, the the very small number of um, of celebrants who decide that they don't want to do gay and lesbian and queer marriages are people I you know I'm not that worried about I don't think it's that big of a deal you know um, and but you know is is but at the same time you know and this is the funny thing at the same time do I think it's a, an inherent religious freedom not to have to perform a marriage here and there not necessarily I think mm. that that's a really interesting question. It's the one that's being framed at the moment. You know, is it my religious freedom not to serve a cake to, uh, you know, this is the other one, you know, to not to serve a cake to someone? Totally. I, and in fact, to, to the cake issue to me is sort of as kind of absurd as it is to some degree is the more interesting one yeah. because it because uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't actually have a clear position on this. Um, I think that, I mean, I, my position on that is the, the uh, again, I don't think in in the in, in the hierarchy of issues I really am that fussed either way. Um, I think that the level of media stories around cakes I find ridiculous, given the um, actual issues that a bunch of other queer people are facing that get no coverage at all. Yeah. Um, but you know, when it comes to it, if I was to be forced to make the decision. I think that there is stuff around, you know, if you're going to have a, a business in a public space, then, you know, then discrimination in terms of serving customers is something that we don't want. Um, and I'm quite happy to say that that's the case. Um, and I think that you're probably facing situations where you're, you're, there's potentially more likely that if you're in a rural town that you might have one baker that you can get your cake from or yes, something yes. like that. And I think that that's, um, that's more of an issue. But you know, well, trying, I mean, I, I try to imagine sort of comparable, like like to imagine a sort of reversed situation. Like I don't know, I, like it, it sort of requires a few. This is why the the Baker one's a good one because it 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 is a service, but it, it's it's also got this kind of like uh, I guess creative and personal dimension to it that makes it different mm. from just like like if you're, for example, a mechanic, like. Uh, you know, like fixing cars. It, it's just—it's not really like even if you're like crazy homophobic, it's probably not going to matter that much if you've got 
gay customers because it's like it's not really relevant to the service that you're providing but say like i don't know i'm trying to i'm trying to think of like a a a sort of hypothetical um where i don't know you're providing a service that um requires you to somehow like have to do like i don't know like maybe you're like a um like a graphic designer, say, and yeah, and you've yeah. got and you've been commissioned to like design a pamphlet for like a um, an organization whose re- whose political beliefs you really despise, uh, you know. I mean, like what? I don't know. Like, well, I like think sh- in those should instances, should you have to do that? No, well, no, and I think in those instances, graphic designers wouldn't. Um, I think that. Um, uh, that's actually an interesting one because I think from my experience, you know, that a lot of graphic designers and graphic design companies have a lot more capacity to um, say yes and no to, yes. yeah, to exactly. their clients. So um, maybe it's a bad, bad comparison. Yeah, but like it's an interesting one in the sense of the different way that we shape that we, we think about different companies in that sense that a graphic designer could easily say, look, um, no, we're not going to take that job on um, either, either because a lot of graphic designers are either freelance, so they can just, they can do what they want um, or because they, um, you know, they run as companies that can just take on particular contracts and particular jobs at a particular point of time. Um, that's- totally. Well, it's like, it's like, hi- and, and I mean, in some degree, it's kind of like hiring practices. So like, you know, if you're, if you're a, um, like obviously there are religious exemptions uh, around hiring practices in lots of different organizations but if you're working for just like I don't know a bank or whatever and you don't want to hire someone because they're gay it's pretty easy to hide that you know oh, it's absolutely. pretty easy to come up with a, another reason yeah yeah um, but yeah I mean again maybe that's why the, the Baker example is a good one because it's it is hard to imagine a justification especially when if you're getting married, you're going to book this kind of thing really far out. It's hard to imagine a justification for being able to turn it down. Mm, mm. And I think, and 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 what you've seen in instances in other parts of the world is people who are actively turning it down um, because of you know stating my religious these are my religious beliefs and I, mm. I I know I don't I don't want to do a gay wedding. And so I think that that's where this becomes. Uh, comes in. I don't, you know, I'm sure there are examples of other types of businesses that have blocked people because of similar reasons, but this is definitely the one that's got the most coverage. Um, but, you know, to, to turn back to that, do they have the right to do that? I think probably technically not. Do I care that much? <laughs> probably not. Um, you know, I can understand the sort of um, the sort of feeling of rejection and hurt that people have when that that occurs, um, and it kind of sucks. But in the in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world, largely. Um, and oh you know, God. I'd be quite happy to focus on some other some other issues. <laughs> on some level, like you know, this might sound like crazy harsh, but on some level, I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, <laughs> like, suck it up. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I know that's I know that's kind of awful, but I don't know. And this is, I mean, I think this is something I'd love to talk about further and maybe we're going to have to end up soon. Um, But I think that this goes back to some of the reaction to the Coopers video. And I mentioned um, a lot of people who I guess are feeling very sort of under pressure or sort of exasperated by this whole thing um, and just feeling 
uh, feeling, I guess, uh, very, you know, and this is something I'd love to talk about more about the, the concept of vulnerable or feeling very um, injured by these sorts of things over and over again. So every every little thing feels like a bigger and bigger injury that's sort of building up in, in, a, in a community that I think, and this is a discourse that I'm seeing more and more. Um, yes. And, and I think that that's something that it's worth thinking about and challenging a little bit because it's um, a very... It has the capacity to sort of make us make us as a community or a, a people make individuals very weak or at least feel very weak um, when when in a lot of these issues we're actually a lot stronger than we than we than, than we feel in many ways. Hmm, I would agree with that, and that's probably a good place to stop. Uh, so thank you for listening. We uh, will be. Well, we said this last time and then we were back in a month. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Um, but we're we're we're. We're hoping to kind of get a routine back to normal. So, uh, uh, yeah, we will we'll hopefully have something for you then. Yeah, hopefully it's just been, you know, one break. Um, but in the meantime, you can catch us up on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And as always, please leave a review and rating, which helps other people find us. As we said at the start of the episode, you can also email us on queerspodcast at gmail.com and find us both on Twitter. I am at Ben C. Riley. And I'm on Twitter at Simon Copland. And you can also find me on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. We will see you next time. Looking forward to it. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.